All right, so paragraph four of chapter 11, dealing with justification, and then also Titus chapter number three, and our subject again this morning is the time of justification, the time of justification. We're going to begin by reading paragraph four. It says, God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect, and Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins and rise again for their justification. Nevertheless, they are not justified personally until the Holy Spirit does in due time actually apply Christ to them. When is a sinner actually personally declared justified? Are they justified in eternity past? Or were they declared justified when Christ was crucified on the cross and raised from the grave? Based on Scripture, neither one of those is the accurate portrayal of when justification and the timing of justification. What does the Bible actually declare regarding the time of our justification? And how does not only the Bible, most importantly, declare it to be, but also how does that line up with what the confession demonstrates also? I had you turn to Titus chapter number 3 as we want to look to the text first before we uh, even begin examining the paragraph of our confession. And of course, Titus chapter number 3 is primarily uh, about being justified by God's grace. So uh, Paul, as he wrote this particular epistle, he was in fact dealing with justification. Uh, Not a new concept. He was dealing with the concept of being justified by God's grace. You see there in verse number one of Titus three, he writes these words, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So we see here, Paul uses the terminology in verse 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It is the Spirit of God that has been poured out on us and on the believer uh, in certainly an abundant fashion. That's what it tells us, that he has shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, Both justification and sanctification come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no discrepancy, there's no dispute about scripturally how do we receive justification and how do we receive sanctification. Both come through the Lord Jesus Christ. But we can't forget that regeneration is worked in us by the Holy Spirit. So regeneration is worked in us by the Holy Spirit, but it comes to us by Jesus Christ. So those are very distinct truths that we need to keep in mind. 
Uh, We do not receive any blessing of God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. So in all of our works and in all the works of the Spirit, whether it's in regeneration, whether it's in a renewal, whether it's in a revival, whatever it is, it is the Lord Jesus who is putting forth his power. And we know that even Revelation 21.5 tells us, Behold, I make all things new. So what we're dealing with and what paragraph 4 primarily is dealing with is the timing of our justification. Now the two options that I gave us both sound legitimate. They both sound appealing uh, to the ear. But honestly, they should, be, they should not be received by us without knowing what the Bible actually says about it. Now, we do understand that justification, we've learned over the last few weeks, is our standing before God. It's how we are viewed, how God sees us now. So remember, that justification is not something that we accomplish on our own. But you'll notice back in, in the confession, in paragraph 4, kind of break this apart a little bit, If you see the first statement, God did from all eternity, and here's the word, decree. He decreed to justify. So in eternity past, he decreed it to justify, which tells us God decreed something about something that would take place at a later time. He did not justify us then. He decreed to justify us. Now, there are three scripture references there, Galatians 3, 8, 1 Peter 1, 2, and 1 Timothy 2, 6. Each one of these has a bit of a reference to the principle of God's decree or that how these things were decreed uh, in eternity past. Galatians 3, 8 says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Verse 9 goes on and says, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. It goes on and talks about that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. So we understand there's a difference between the actual standing of justification and God decreeing the justification of the elect. That's really important to differentiate between those two. In 1 Peter 1, verse number 2, uh, Peter, as he introduces, uh, of course, First and Second Peter, uh, gives this, uh, this grand uh, introduction to the book of Peter. First Peter, he says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So we're seeing this this principle of foreknowledge. We're seeing this principle of being decreed beforehand things that are taking place ahead of time. But again, we're not seeing an eternity past justification. We're not seeing that before the world began, we were declared justified. Now, God did, in fact, decree to justify the elect, but our actual standing before God was not justification in eternity past. 
1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 6. We've, we've read this and when we did our chapter on Christ the mediator. Verse 5 says, For there is one God, one mediator, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So we're seeing a pattern of what's happening here. We're seeing the decree of God in eternity past. But now notice the second part of the confession paragraph says, And Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins. Whose sins did he die for? Those from e- that God in eternity past decreed to justify. That is the elect. So Christ did in the fullness of time or at the appropriate moment died for their sins and rise again for their justification. In other words, when we talk about when Christ, what did Christ actually accomplish on the cross? He accomplished all of those things. He accomplished the remedy. He accomplished the the satisfactory payment to the Father. And it would be the very means in which justification was going to come through that the Holy Spirit of God was going to pour out upon those who God from eternity past decreed to be justified. But by biblical understanding... That still did not declare us actually justified. Okay? He decreed it. Christ, in the fullness of time, did what he was told and what he willingly did, what was the agreement made in eternity past, that he would be the sacrifice. Romans 4, verse number 20. Uh, Romans 4, let's look at, at verse 20. Um, 20 uh, Well, at 20, Romans 4, verse 20. This is with regard to Abraham. It says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, and therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So our justification comes by Christ, but it is poured out upon us by the Holy Spirit of God. So we see God did decree to justify Christ did in the fullness of time die for the sins and rise again for their justification but then notice the word at the end of the paragraph nevertheless they are not justified personally until the spirit doth in time do actually apply Christ unto them so it is in the actual application that Christ is applied to them. When does that take place? It takes place at the point of belief. That is when that sinner becomes personally actually justified. Now again, we're not denying that salvation is of the Lord because what we know is happening, God has decreed this from eternity past. We know that Christ in the fullness of time accomplished what needed to be accomplished. But it is not until the point of belief that justification is actually applied. Now, we're going to look at some some proof text here in just a moment. But we understand 
that what's, what's happening in this environment, and even as we read in Romans 4, you, we see that, that Abraham did not stagger through unbelief. The promises that he heard, the promises of God, he didn't stagger at them. But he was fully persuaded about what God had promised. That's belief. When we came to that saving faith and that saving knowledge of God, we were brought to be fully persuaded that God and his promises were in fact true. I am trusting Christ and my belief in Christ. And it's, that is the time of our justification. Our justification is at the very time of belief. Now, notice that doesn't stand alone. If, if there was not this eternal decree to justify the elect, if Christ had not come in the fullness of time and died for our sins and rose again, there would be no possibility of justification. But the actual timing of when we are declared justified is upon belief. Now that's what we were reading there in Titus 3 verses 4 through 7. Again, we can, we'll revisit that. But before we get there, look at the other, the other proof text uh, that's there at the end of that paragraph, Colossians 1, 21 and 22. Uh, Paul writing to the church at Colossae uh, in verses 21 down through 29, the main theme is Christ, the hope of glory. And he uses some terminology that tells us very directly uh, that there was a time when we were the enemies and alienated from God. He's telling the church at Colossae, Colossians 1, verse 21, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister." Even Paul in verse 23 is talking about something that continues, something that does not end. You continue in this faith. Abraham continued in the faith in which he believed. Abraham didn't stagger at the promises of God. Paul is telling those at Colossae, it's continuing in this faith. And then Titus, back to Titus 3, 4, and 7, is when now we come back to where we started, come full circle and realize again what Paul was saying through the, in the epistle of Titus with regard to this idea of when this actually takes place. Titus 2, again, verses 4 through 7. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That tells us that regenerating power came through the Holy Spirit. And it was shed on us abundantly through Christ, by Christ, the belief. Again, justified by his grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life so when we are justified at that very point of belief this is guarding against a an error that is quite common and again sounds legitimate uh, it sounds a bit pleasing to the ear the error that states that we are justified from eternity past 
or that the elect in the New Testament, that's the key, the elect in the New Testament were justified when Jesus was crucified and raised again. Now that sounds legitimate, but it also tells us that their opinion is that that was the way it happened in the New Testament, but the Old Testament was something totally different. That's, where, that's part where this error is lying, because it's saying that in the New Testament, people were justified when Jesus was crucified. Well, what about the people in the Old Testament before Jesus was actually crucified? What do you do about them? Because Abraham did not have a single view of the actual cross. He didn't have a view of crucifixion. He, wasn't, he, didn't, he didn't have the idea that this is how it was going to go down, that Jesus was going to be hung between two criminals. Now, he knew that there was a Messiah. They knew there was a promise, but he did not know all of those things. So the error is, is simply saying, well, the New Testament people, they're totally different than the old. They were justified the moment that Christ was crucified. People who hold to that error say that because believers are justified by the death of Jesus on the cross, that they are righteous in God's sight at the time of the cross, even though they may not have been born yet. Now again, that puts us in a lot of different quandaries when we start thinking about that, if that is indeed the case. Now, it seems logical. It brings us to a conclusion that seems like it might have some merit to it. But it is... It's taking away the idea or the principle here that our justification is based upon the work of Christ. We notice, first of all, in Ephesians 2.3, look what Paul told to the church at Ephesus. There's a common theme that runs through this. And again, he's primarily talking to people who are now in Christ. They are people who are in the faith. Ephesians 2.3, and notice the terminologies that are used here. If justification for the believer took place in eternity past, then why does Paul use some of the phrasing he uses in, in verse 3 here? Ephesians 2, verse. let's look, we'll begin at verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, here's the key, the children of wrath. Now a person who's justified is not the child of wrath. There's no way around this. If I was eternally justified in eternity past before I was ever in existence, if that was the true case of the matter, then what would I have to say about I'm the children of wrath? Now, I go, I go back to the study we did about infants and that mystery of God. I got it. There are still some, there are still some mysteries here that we're trying to, to figure out. But Paul says that you were by nature the children of wrath even as others. So to be the child of wrath means that you are still under God's judgment. So if you're still under God's judgment, again, that, if that, if that, if that eternal justification, if I was justified in eternity past, why would I be under God's judgment? Now some have said, well, you're under God's judgment until you believe. 
Well, then that means you're telling me that I can lose my standing of justification before God. Now again, God decreed, God decreed to justify the elect, which tells me what? That there is a point in time when the elect will come to saving faith. So, yes, my justification is coming. But my justification was not just because I was eternally justified from eternity past. Man is still responsible to believe. Again, <laughs> there, are, there are many things that we could talk about when we deal with that. But if the elect were justified, again, we're the term justified in eternity past, or at the death of the cross, they could never set, have be said to have been by, by nature children of God's wrath. Paul is clearly saying at one point, and it was confirmed by Colossians 1.21, there was a time when even believers who would later be believers were considered alienated and enemies of God. So what is the timing of our justification? Well, secondly, the Bible specifically states we are justified through faith in Christ. Look at Galatians 2, verses 16 through 21. Galatians 2, verses 16 through 21. Verse 16, Galatians 2, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. When we understand justification and how prevalent Paul's conversations with people about justification was, there's a reason why he continued to hammer the truth about you're not justified by the law, you're justified by faith. Paul's not using the argument that says, listen, the reason you don't have to worry about the works of the law is because you were justified in eternity past. He's telling them you're justified by faith in Christ as a direct enemy to being justified by the law. Paul himself, is, is, he's, he's built the bridge between the two. That's why there was such an argument about faith in Christ or the law. Paul never tells the church at Colossae, the church of, the, of Philippi, the church at Ephesus, hey, listen, just rely on your eternal justification. No, he says your justification is by faith in Jesus Christ. That means there was an appointed time when justification came. He doesn't say just fall back on what is there. Now, Galatians 2, verses 16 through 21 is confirmed in Romans chapter 8, verse number 30. 
Now we start to get a better picture of even some of these principles and concepts that Paul was talking about in the book of Romans. They all go together. Romans 8, verse number 30. And honestly, to to make sure we get the the, the proper context, look at verse 28. Uh, One of the most taken out of context verses in all of Scripture is Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Notice that's what's referred to as that golden chain. These are all events that are the link in the chain that bring us to the principle of justification. If we were justified in eternity past, there would be no need for the calling. There'd be no need for it. If I was already eternally justified, why do I need to be called? The reality is, is this is part of the chain of salvation. This is, this is part of those links that go together that form what makes Paul ask the question. If the links in these chains are so secure, what could you say against it? Because if God calls you, if God called you, then he's going to justify you. But it's going to be at a point in time. Again, this doesn't lessen God. It it continues to elevate who he is. So this eternal call, Romans 8.30, along with Galatians 2.16-21, indicates that only those who are called by God will ultimately be justified. It doesn't, com- it doesn't contradict any things that we said. So in other words, believers become justified at the point in their lives when God calls them and gives them faith. That's when justification happens. Now again, we can go back and we can talk about the infants. We can talk about a lot of those things. And again, there are still mysteries we have to fall back on and say God always does what's right. So thirdly, The error of eternal justification confuses God's decree to justify the elect. So when did God decree to justify the elect? That did happen in eternity past. He did decree to justify the elect in eternity past. But the actual act of justification occurs at a point in the believer's lives when they exercise faith. That's exactly what Paul was talking about when he gave the illustration of Abraham. Abraham exercised faith. Many of God's acts are decreed in eternity past. As a matter of fact, if you believe in the sovereignty of God, if you truly believe in God's sovereignty and God's providence, you have to believe that God's most, if not all, of God. Actually, all of God's works were decreed in eternity past, but decreeing them and when they take place are two different things. They take place at some point in human history. Is it true that God decreed that Christ would die on the cross? Of course it was. That wasn't a random act that they were taken by surprise and that Jesus was taken against his will and put upon a cross. That was decreed in eternity past. When did it, ha- when did it actually happen? At the appointed time. There's a passage in Acts chapter number 4 that declares this 
so clearly. And of course, this is, this is in the scope of that first century church as they're establishing the foundation. And in Acts 4, verses 27 and 28, let's, let's, go, let's go back a little bit and, and start at verse 23. There's, there's, there's too much here. And it says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, who hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Even the very raising up of those who would put Christ on the cross at the actual appointed time was determined beforehand. The timing didn't happen in eternity past. It happened at a later date. Our justification decreed at a earlier time, but absolutely applied and actually applied at an appointed time. So Christ, although his death was decreed that he would die, he died at a specific time in history, not a second earlier, not a second later, at the actual appointed time. Jesus' death on the cross was not a range or random to where sometime between these two days or these, this week or these years, Christ is going to die. It was ordained the exact time. So what is this? justification what is it that we're looking that we're stating against we're not saying that justification is not planned by god because in truth justification is planned from eternity by god clearly he show he tells us that our that from eternity past he decrees to justify all the elect there is nowhere in scripture that says that he from eternity past decreed to justify all the entire world. Secondly, we do know that justification, as far as from a historical standpoint, justification is accomplished by Christ in his person and work. Okay, so we know justification is planned from eternity by God. It's decreed. Secondly, justification is accomplished by Christ in his person and work. There absolutely, absolutely was an actual time in human history when Jesus Christ accomplished the work. Now, you and I may not know the exact date. We may not know the exact hour. But there was an appointed time. And thirdly, we know that justification, sinners are not justified from eternity past but rather they are justified in a time when the Holy Spirit applies it to them some point in their life history. That's why it's different for all of us. And folks, I can take comfort tonight and today and tonight and tomorrow and next week and 10 years from now in knowing the fact 
that all whom God has decreed as his elect will come to saving faith and will ultimately be justified. Not a single one will get missed. They won't get left off. God will not have overlooked them. Now people say, I would rather this just all be left up to the free will of man in its totality. I don't think you really know what you're asking. There's more comfort in knowing that what God has decreed will be accomplished. It's not going to be in your timing. Now, we all think we know the right timing. We all think we know this is the point where this person is going to be justified. This, this person, and we use terminology, they're, they're, they're just one step from belief. You have no idea where they are. You don't know for sure, but what are you basing that on? Just based upon what they say? Or could we take comfort in knowing, listen, there's going to come a day when the Holy Spirit of God is not just going to throw it out there as an option, but is actually going to regenerate them. Not, not make it possible, actually going to do it. And when he does it, you're going to sit back and you're going to say, oh, <laughs> All that thing that I thought I was doing, I couldn't regenerate that soul no matter how eloquently I put it, no matter how grand I spoke, no matter how my outline flowed, no matter how many scripture references I gave, no matter how many times I said, this has got to be the day that everybody in this church is going to hit their face, they're all going to hit the altar. No, but when God does it, you just sit back and say, salvation is of the Lord. It settles the whole matter. I'm not, I'm not sitting here worried and saying, did I say and do the right things? I can guarantee you I probably said the wrong thing. I can guarantee you my presentation of the gospel has not always been right. Sometimes my desire to see somebody saved may have been even from wrong motives. Just so I could tell somebody, hey, I led someone to the Lord today. This justification, this confession, and the scriptures back up and relate clearly that God did act in eternity past. His act was to decree to justify. But it also relates to Christ's actual act in history and how his act through him, the Holy Spirit would apply, actually apply Christ to the believer. Christ is actually applied. God plans... God accomplishes, and God applies. When you say salvation is of the Lord, we're not saying 99% salvation is of the Lord. We're saying it all is. Why? Because he planned it, he accomplished it, and he applied it. All three of those things. Sinners are not justified from eternity past, but rather they are justified in time as they believe by the Holy Spirit. And they believe in Christ and what Christ has accomplished. The time of justification. I think it's pretty, I think it's very clear. I think it's pretty obvious, but it's also something that it kind of challenges us. It challenges our thinking. And it kind of goes back to those, those who just simply say, and uh, somebody in, somebody in, the, in the, our house mentioned this, and I didn't, I didn't think about it the first time, but they mentioned, well, wouldn't that, if you just believe that you were eternally justified in eternity past, wouldn't that be a form of what's referred to as hyper-Calvinism, which basically says you don't have to do anything? 
That's the reason why the hyper-Calvinist does not believe in evangelism. Because they said there's nothing to do about it. It's like you, they, they, they just know. But the reality is we're told to take the gospel. So why are we told to take the gospel? In order that people might believe. Because that's where the actual act of, that's where the time of justification is. So I hope this, I hope this will help us this morning. All right? So let's take a few moments and we'll take time for some questions this morning if you have them.